0: Welcome to the Tim Castle Live Show, where we meet courageous people doing inspirational things around the world. In today's episode, I had the pleasure of talking to Maria Paula Oliveira. Who is Chief Innovation Officer for Mina at EY? Now, MP, as she likes to be called, is certainly courageously going after her goals and making it happen. MP is a world of possibility in a room full of no's. She's someone who I can tell if you have MP leading your team, it's all about possibility and solutions and overcoming the obstacles. There isn't really a no in our world. She's going to figure out how to get through that, how to innovate, how to strategize. And that's what she shares in this podcast today. There's so much value here in the way that she breaks down a problem, in the way that she develops courage, and she'll go through her courage framework with you, but also just how she's applied a strategy to her life, her career, and how she's used that to accelerate her story is amazing. I mean, she started off in Brazil. She's gone to Australia. She's worked in multiple continents and countries around the world. She founded two companies in Silicon Valley. She's worked in Singapore and now in Dubai, heading up the region as Chief Innovation Officer. So she's going to talk you through the highs and the lows, but also how you can go into the world and face adversity and take it and play it to your ultimate advantage, how you can can adapt to situations. You can look for the opportunity. And I really think in these times right now, MP's message is something that you all need to hear. So we all need more MPs in the world shining a light. And she really does that. Her motto is work hard, play hard, and really focusing on how you can infuse joy into every single day so that you're not getting to the end of your life and then expecting to play hard. So really listen closely to MP's message. I think you're going to enjoy it. Take it away, MP. MP, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, It's all about finding courageous people doing inspirational things, and you're certainly doing that as Chief Innovation Officer of MENA at EY. And yeah, thank you for for coming on and giving us your time.
1: Sure, Tim. Thank you so much for the invitation. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Yeah, I'm super, super pumped and excited about uh, what we're going to discuss today. Let's kick things off with my first uh, favorite question. Uh, What is your motto and mantra and how do you apply it to your daily life?
1: Okay, so that's interesting because I heard some of your previous episodes and I saw that you're asking this question, so I was thinking about it. And I have have a few, but I think the one that I like the most and I live my life by the most is uh, work hard, play hard. And I love that because it starts with the work. It doesn't start with the play. And I think that has to do with the sense of you having to do the work so you can earn the play, you can earn the pleasure, you can earn the fun. And so the work hard for me, it has to do about uh, showing up, showing up for life, showing up for the things that you want to do, uh, showing up completely. And and it's hard. A lot of times it's hard, no matter how much we like it. I love the work, the the actual job and work that I do, but I don't like everything about it. I don't like it all the time, but I absolutely love it. And I love all other things about my life. I love having a dog, and I love having a son, and I love living in Dubai, but a lot of times it's hard. So Mm -hmm. one thing doesn't, doesn't exclude the other. And then the play hard part has to do about you also being intentional about the things that brings you joy in life. So it's not about partying hard, but it's about having <laughs> this, this notion that you, you have this life, you have this journey. It's not about the destination. It's about the journey. So it's not only, oh, I'm going to work 60 years of my life and then I'm going to enjoy or I'm going to work five days of the week and then I thank God it's Friday. Thank God it's the weekend. And here sometimes we're in the Middle East because we work from, from uh, Sunday to Thursday. Sometimes people say, oh, thank God it's Thursday. I'm like, oh my gosh, that doesn't make sense. As, as a lifestyle, you're suffering five days or having five days of things that you don't enjoy. Then you can have two days of things that you truly enjoy. That doesn't add up. Or you can yeah. work. 60 days of your life and then you're going to travel and then you're going to retire and then you're going to enjoy your life? That doesn't make sense. So that's why I like this mode of work hard, play hard because it brings this balance about the effort that you make but also being intentional about enjoying the ride.
0: Yeah, I think that is a very appropriate motto and mantra for you. Having done done my research on you, I see that you, you definitely do infuse joy into the, every single day and also do have that journey in mind. What What would you say with that in mind then is the best piece of advice that you've received when you're thinking about if you're someone who's got to choose between career and doing kind of everything that your heart desires, what's the best piece of advice that you'd give to someone that's torn in that dilemma?
1: Oh, that I would give to somebody? Hmm. Okay, okay. I thought that I had been given. Uh, So that I would give to somebody. um, It's really interesting because the fact, and I'll, I'll circle back, but the fact that I really love what I do at my work, which is around corporate innovation and transforming companies, it makes it such a big part of me but a part that brings lots of joy, brings lots of fulfillment, brings lots of challenge, growth, self development. So I really find that when you can identify with what with with that that you work, it makes for a better life because then you have a purpose. The work it's not only. What is bringing you uh, money and and, mm. and and bread to your table? But it's actually something that is uh, working on your interest to develop yourself as a human being. So it's a bit it's it's a bit of uh, a, a jargon nowadays to say oh you should work on something that you're passionate of. But I heard uh, uh, Steve Jobs Steve Jobs saying recently, well I a recent. I recently heard something that he said. Uh, if I heard him recently, it would be really awkward. <laughs> <But> <laughs> I recently happen. heard <laughs> an interview. Yeah, exactly. It's like I became a medium and I'm talking to the, the technologist. Uh, but no, so I, I recently heard something that he said, which is why do you need to have passion for, for what you do? And, and I think it circles completely back to what I said first, because it gets, it gets hard. It gets really hard. It gets hard when you're in corporation. It gets hard when you're an entrepreneur. It ha- gets hard on startup. It gets hard as 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 a house parent. It gets hard all the time. Just because life was designed like that, life was designed for the hardship to make you grow. So and life is designed for growth. So if you are not passionate, then you can't get through it. You can't see it through because. You just give up. So finding something that really connects with yourself that gets you excited and takes you through the heart, the excitement and, and the joy and the fulfillment you get from it takes you through the hard times. That's what what I would say. There is a uh, writer called Mark Mason, uh, Mason, Minson, uh, that Minson, right? Yeah, yeah Mark, that's right uh and he talks about uh choosing your can I can I swear a little bit?
0: You may, you may.
1: Okay, all right. So talks about uh finding your shit sandwich. So what <laughs> is the hard part that you're willing to go through? So when I was working for uh, uh, I was a co-founder of two startups and I could not go through the hard part of the financial insecurity because of the circumstances of my life. I was the sole breadwinner or the main breadwinner, and I had a newborn child. So I couldn't get through that. So, so then break
0: I that decided... down a bit. Was that, that was because the startup was... It was a startup, so it wasn't well-funded, or when you join a startup, you're going to have to take a pay cut in some respect to, to have that journey. Is that what you mean by financial? So can,
1: can, I make it, can I make it a long story short?
0: Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay.
1: So I was I was raised in Brazil. I was born in the US but raised in Brazil and I uh, lived there for the first 32 years of my life and then the last uh, from from 18 to to 32 I was working in the corporate world. Then I got tired of the corporate world, took one one year sabbatical and then after that I decided to relocate to the US taking advantage of being a, a US citizen. And I went to the Silicon Valley because I wanted to learn about startups. And I wanted to join an early-stage startup. So an early-stage startup is nothing more than a group of three to five people that have an idea and are searching for funding, are searching for employees, are searching for clients. That's what I was doing. So we basically didn't have a pay. So I was living out of my savings, which I had already depleted a lot on my sabbatical. So then we we were just this, this five co-founders that were trying to put this company forward. We had one investor who promised he would invest in January. Come January, he didn't put the money. Come February, he didn't put the money. And then I, January, I found out I was pregnant. So we were going through this, all the things about like starting a family and then having no money, you know? <laughs> and so all of that financial insecurity was something that, an year after that, when I had my son and, and I had to make other decisions in life, I couldn't stomach. So then I decided to go back to the corporate world. And when I was in the corporate world before, I couldn't take any more politics, the drama, the games, the bureaucracy, and all of that. But then when I came back to the corporate world, I chose that. That was a uh, less tinky uh, a shit sandwich than <laughs> the financial insecurity. Okay, so I learned, I learned I was like, okay, those are the rules of the game. I can play by these rules, and I'm not gonna complain that those are the rules because I know the other side and the other side's not working for me anymore. It doesn't mean that's never gonna work, but it's not working for me anymore. So then I went back to the corporations where I've been for the last six years. And I'm thriving because I know the rules of the game and I know how to get through them. And those are the types of pains that I'm willing to endure.
0: Got it. So when you noticed your life moving down a different direction, you got pregnant and then there was financial issues with the startup, how quickly did you change your mindset? And was it sort of an instant flip right rules of the game have changed i therefore need to go and do this and i'm comfortable with that because what what is deeper to me or what is more important to me has now forced me down that route and therefore i can i can win at this game or was it sort yeah. of did it like i'm just thinking if, if there are people out there listening that that are perhaps about to do that or are facing a situation where especially in, in times like this where you've got covid19 and they're perhaps being made redundant. And they didn't want to go back to the corporate world, but you you something in you changed, so you were able to, to get yourself into the right headspace to be able to do that and, and thrive as well.
1: Yeah. I wish it had been that fast and that easy, but it was not. <laughs> it was a bit a bit more lengthy and a bit more complicated because there were too many things at play. So right. I was with my my uh, uh, ex-husband and At the time, we were trying to make it in the U.S., trying to make it in California, and the Silicon Valley specifically, which is a very competitive environment. And and then I was pregnant. And then on top of that, so the sabbatical that I mentioned, we did the -the round-the-world tour uh, trip. So we spent one year traveling. So we had gone through basically all our funds. And this idea that I had that I was... Quite successful in Brazil as a professional, that I would come in the valley and be the star of the valley, and would find lots of opportunities. That didn't happen. So, but that all took some time. So we stayed there two and a half years, and we left. So we got there in uh, May 2013, and we left in end of 2017. And through the time, then in, in, in 14, I got pregnant, then I had my son, and I tried a second startup, but then another uh, financial crisis hit, and the startup was related to Brazil, so it impacted our, our, our uh, funders in Brazil, the investors. And that, that uh, transition happened over time. Mm. It happened when, and I remember the moment it happened very clearly because I was really upset when the this financial crisis hit Brazil in 2015, and the investor in Brazil said they couldn't invest in U.S. dollars anymore because their currency had massively devaluated overnight and they couldn't support the uh, the U.S. operation anymore. And... I remember sitting down on, on the floor and laying on the carpet and crying because all I wanted to do was have a nice work, a decent work that I could support my family, that I could find the fulfillment and the joy that I find at work. I just wanted to work. I was not asking for anybody to give me anything. And in that moment, I had this realization because I started asking, like, life, like why is this happening to me? Mm-hmm. god life or, or whatever be able to, why is this happening to me like I'm a good person you know like and I'm just asking to find to find work mm-hmm. um, and then I realized two things that either there was a reason for why that was happening to me but it was beyond me to identify the reason because who am I to try to to understand the 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 wishes of God or life or universe or anything so who am I to 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 try and understand or there wasn't a reason and then like we say here we say halas it's like all right all right it's done there is no reason there's no reason okay either way there was only one thing for me to do which was to get up and work which was to do the work the hard work part okay so the ne- the very next day I set up in my computer I dressed up for work. In nice. the beginning <laughs> before you started recording so we were talking about dressing up and how it changes your mindset. I dressed up for work, for work with shoes, high heel shoes, okay, inside my house with my 4 month old baby crawling on the back on the background, okay? He went for and, it. Yeah. And I sent uh, applications and resumes and network contact to 40 people and people slash companies. So I made a list. of like, who I know everywhere, including in Brazil, including Singapore, including all over the world that I global. And I said, yeah, I went global. And I said, I need to, to find a job. I'm just going to show up. One of these people was a former colleague from Brazil who I knew was with the same company that I was working before in Brazil that I left. Because I was sick and tired of the corporate world. And I was sick and tired of that particular company after nine years working working for them. Uh, and I said, hey, how is it going? I'm here in Singapore. And he's like, oh, NP, we need somebody with your skills here. i was like, oh, really? Well, I'm quite good here in the Valley, but tell me more. <laughs> and then and he's then like, no, no, no. I, I just started... Uh, uh uh our strategic planning and there's nobody with your methods around strategy and innovation and process management project uh, project management and process would you consider coming to singapore i know you're in, in california and and all that but you you consider it's like yeah if you have a good offer but <laughs> 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 but then we so we even in that playing.
0: moment you still you still played it out you didn't reveal the, all the cards you kept you kept well
1: i had to play the, by the rules right yeah yeah this is yeah okay so so i was like okay if this is what it is it is what it is and it the guy is a friend of mine so uh but but i i i wanted to to be i wanted to go for what i wanted mm-hmm. you know so mm-hmm. i didn't want to go for any job. I wanted to find a job that would be uh, highly enough paid for me to provide my son with a good life and my family and all of that. So then we started talking and then his offer came. Uh, and then it was an offer to move countries once again, to move from the US to Singapore, uh, and then to go back to the same company that I had left. So full and circle, wow. So full circle, but on a spiral, because I was not coming mm. to the same company yeah. in Brazil, to the same position that I am, that I was before. I was coming to the same company in Singapore after having done my round-the-world trip, after having done my, uh, uh, um, what they call uh, round-of-duty in the Silicon Valley. I was going to a much higher position, to a much mm. higher salary in Singapore okay so but but the part that was most interesting to me was how much of my ego I had to put down on my pocket to to go back to the same company. It's like i I didn't make it in the valley, and I have to kind of go back to do to doing what I know and to the to people that I know and to a business that I know so I can jump start again because mm-hmm. I felt like like life was really dragging me down. I was like, okay, if this is what you got, we got to offer life. This is what I'm going to take.
0: And what, were there any tools and tips that you, you had to put your ego back in kind of check? Cause obviously that, that's quite a hard thing to do when your brain is, is telling you all of that stuff, like, oh, it's going backwards or you walked away from this before. Why are we doing it? like all this negativity and, and little thoughts that you can get? Were there yeah. any tools or I, tips that helped you?
1: I think was, thinking of the goal, of the end game. Mm -hmm. So it was not that that was the goal. I never had a goal of being in Singapore or even in Dubai. I always wanted to have an international career. Okay, So when those opportunities came up, they were taking me steps closer to my goal. And Mm -hmm. When that made sense is like it, it's it's like a play. Sometimes when you're playing the game, you kick the ball a little bit back or a little bit to the side so you can get uh, past uh, uh, an adversary who's in front of you. So It was, and, strategy. And
0: it was complete strategy. It was a strategy.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. For, so I'm a strategist by by heart. So it's like, okay, what is the end game? The end game is to develop an international career as a uh, uh, um, well-regarded business executive? Is that going to take me forward? Okay, Because even in startups, I never dreamt of being a founder, but because startups are such a strong influence in the the subject matter of innovation management and corporations want to check as startups, they want to to do ventures, they want to be Mm. more innovative, more agile, I wanted to learn that so that would take me somewhere.
0: Right. So it was all part of the plan.
1: It's part of the plan. Yeah. It's part of this, this journey. So when you keep your eyes on the prize, you can take mm. the pain. Mm. You know, and I'm not saying it was terrible, like by any means. Like the company that I worked in Brazil and I worked in Singapore is a great company. I don't want to say anything. It was just how I was feeling about working so long, so, so long for, for one. Sorry for this. <laughs> working the- so long for uh, the same company and in the same city. Lots of things that were were about me, not about the company or the industry. But just like the, the things that I had to face about going back to the same industry in the same company. But I was with a different team, in a different region, with a different boss. So there were lots of things that were super exciting about going there. Mm-hmm. And if I could have Brazil, Australia, Silicon Valley, and Singapore under my, my under my belt, those were amazing things to have.
0: Which was your favorite topic? Oh,
1: that's such a hard question. Everybody <laughs> asks me that, Tim. Everybody. It's so hard because yeah. all of them had a moment in my life and yeah. had the circumstance. So yeah. I loved California for the community, for the weather. It's an amazing place to live. Super expensive. I've always lived in expensive cities. I don't know what it is that I think I like to be poor. Because I go to a it <laughs> to waste all my money. I don't know what it is, you know. Uh, but I lived in Sao Paulo, I lived in, in San Francisco, I lived in Singapore and now in Dubai. So so expensive cities. But I think each of them had their moments and their plus and minuses. So so uh California, like I said, the weather, the community, the the the, the ethos around innovation, around the transformation, about writing, designing the future, mm-hmm. okay? Then you go to Singapore and I see a city that in less than 50 years went from a fisherman's village to one of the most important cities in the world and that is developed, organized, clean, safe, amazing mix of culture and food. And, but the weather is not amazing because it's hot and humid all the time, as you know. But it has this, this thing about the the we, we say it's uh, Asia for beginners, right? So it has yeah. this, this flavor of Asia, but it's so quite embracing of of international people of expats. And then I moved to Dubai, and I first came here in July in Dubai, and that's the height of summer. Oof. It was hot, 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 and humid. I hated Dubai, but I loved the idea of being a little bit closer to Brazil than Singapore of changing industries. Because when I moved to, to Dubai, I came to work for UI. So I got out of the financial sector and went into the professional services industry. So I wanted that. I wanted to work for, for a different company. So I changed uh, mm-hmm. professional brands as well. Uh, and also I could have Dubai under my belt. And I learned to love the city. I absolutely learned to love. It's also organized, clean, uh, safe, respectful, and a great city to raise a family and to to be very, very good uh, life quality here. So all of them, they had their moment in my life. So yeah, long, very long answer to just to say I don't know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. They're, they're each a chapter. They've each got a, a certain flavor. And they've added added growth and, and lessons and, and fun to your life. Uh, yeah. I guess like something that you just said around startups and the corporate world, and corporates wanting to learn, I guess learn from startups and then bring that in house. I'd be really interested to hear about what mistakes corporates make and why innovation is so important to try and help mm-hmm. help them through this kind of maze.
1: Okay yeah so I think there are there are a few mistakes. I'm trying to see if I can point out the ones that are, I think are more relevant. okay? One of the things that is really different on the ways that a corporation and startups approach uh, is how they structure for focus. So when you have a startup when I had my first startup or my second one, it was like me and my co-founders, a group of three to five people, like I said that they their day jobs is to make that idea happen. So I like to say that a startup is a love story between an idea and a business model. So it's an idea trying to find the idea of business model to get married to, because that's when the idea comes to life, okay? If you don't find a business model, then your idea doesn't have a reason to exist. So when you have a startup, you have five people trying to find that, to find the product market fit to find the perfect way to monetize that idea to put a business model around that vision in a corporation a lot of times it, that what happens is that one of the leaders on the c suite will have an idea will say oh we have to have an innovation hub or we have to have an innovation team or we have to have a think tank and then they're going to pick up two or three or five or four smart smart people mm-hmm. and they're going to say okay the three of you are going to be our innovation think tanks And then you say, okay, so is that my day job? No, 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 no. You're going to do that on your spare time. But what resources do I have? No, 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 no. You got to be scrappy. Come on, innovation. You got to be scrappy. Like a founder, you got to bootstrap. But on the other side, the, the founders, they're looking for investors. And then the startup. The 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 entrepreneurs. So let's talk about the entrepreneurs and the entrepreneurs. So the entrepreneurs are inside the company. The entrepreneur will get to the boss and say, "Okay, so I I need a hundred thousand dollars to put that idea forward." And it's like, "Whoa, wait a minute. Why do you need a hundred thousand dollars? Show me the business plan." And then the entrepreneur spends three months doing the business plan, and then it shows, and then they say, "Well." But show me the ROI, when I'm going to get return, how much, I have to double my money, I have to get $200,000 in six months, because those are the margins of our business. And then the entrepreneur goes back to the hamster wheel of trying to make a business case that works. At the end, six months down the line, the entrepreneur is tired and demotivated, has lost credibility with the C-suite and the startup thing, the start. The, the, the innovation think tank dies.
0: Right. Startups
1: on the other hand, they're going to have those five people. They're asking for investment. There is a whole structure also around investment. So you have the angels, you have the pre-seed, you have the seed, you have the Series A, B, C, D, etc. So they go like we went to a seed investor or to an angel investor and say, "I have this idea. Here's a team of five people who are interested in putting their 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 efforts." We're going to take a thousand dollars or two thousand dollars of pay just to survive, but we need a hundred thousand dollars to to see us through the first six months. And because you have a culture and the structure around it, the investor goes there and gives you the money. Of course, there is scrutiny going forward, but there's very there's much less scrutiny to give you the money because if they understand that if they don't give you the money, you can't work. You can't put two or three months preparing a business case. Yes. That everybody knows it's not true, okay? And there's another thing, you have those those five people whose day job is to make that startup happen. So they are putting at least 40 hours a week, normally north of 60, 80, 100 hours a week, okay? Mm. We work really hard. Leave at the job. Leave under tables. Okay. We yeah. You set up your own office. So so the first pro, accelerator program that I that I went, they b- brought in IKEA furniture and they said, okay, here are the boxes. Assemble your desk.
0: It's, you yeah. Know? It's so that, Everything. Is you build it
1: yourself. There was no proper internet, and then you get scrappy. But you get scrappy. But you have some backing. You get scrappy, mm-hmm. but you have that those hundred hours. Per, per week per person so imagine mm. like in the first week we're putting five hundred hours if you have somebody whose day job is to do something else all their incentives all they' are measured by are uh, uh, doing their day job and you ask them to put two hours a week at the end of the first week those people have put together ten hours versus wow. five hundred hours such a huge, and then yeah. and then people are surprised why Uh, Corporate innovation programs fail.
0: Penny drop moment right there. That is, yeah, that's so clear. 500 versus 10 hours. They're
1: not, they're not functioning as startups. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They want to have all the benefits of startups without any of the pain and go back to play hard, work hard, play hard. Mm -hmm. You got to work hard and then you get the benefit. You got to see, you got to see, you got to plant the seed. You gotta water the seed. You gotta fertilize the seed before you have fruits. And that's what you have in a startup that usually you don't have on corporate innovation programs that fail. And that's the approach that I try to bring. So in my team, myself and the four people, so we're five people, similar to a startup, we are 100% dedicated to innovating UI. Our day job is the transformation of ey it's not our our side hustle it's our day job and all our incentives are aligned to achieving that goal
0: that sounds so cool that's it yeah it is
1: so cool i love i create my own (laughs) job
0: (laughs) that sounds awesome yeah so just in that piece you talked yeah talked around structure and, and how that is so important the alignment around what you're doing to actually do you so you see how how does that work then with the hours the five hundred hours? that you and and how would you apply that within EY? Or are you bringing are you bringing the models from startups, the different techniques and models that you've learned, and then accelerating EY internally in that way?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what we're doing. So first is uh, myself and my team were fully dedicated. So how many hours we need to work, we're going to work. Okay. Uh, And also we work with other teams and we work with this idea of, uh, I always talk about the sense of with a startup, you have an idea trying to find a viable business model. So in the beginning, you have a lot of uncertainty and you have zero money. So you need to start increasing the investment as you decrease the uncertainty. Another mistake that happens when corporations are trying to innovate is that because they've asked the bloody entrepreneur to go do a business case, he's going to show that there is a market potential of $400 billion. <laughs> and then to capture that market potential, they need $4 million to invest, okay, because they're going to capture. So they they keep doing this crazy mathematics. at such an early stage when the uncertainty is so high that none of the premises that they have there, none of like the, 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 the assumption they have there, none of this is going to be true, okay? Mm. But they're trying to fool them. They're trying to fool their bosses unconsciously because this is getting on the hamster wheel of the business plan, okay, um, that they ask for too much. And then when somebody buys it, they say, okay, here's million million. And then the thing fails. Because you put so much money with so much uncertainty with the lack of process that a lot of projects become too big to fail, Mm. you know? And then because they're too big to fail, when they go wrong, and it's going to go wrong. It is by definition going to go wrong. That's why you need to invest a little bit to learn what is the wrong way so you get out of there. And then you invest a little bit more to learn the next wrong way to get out of there. So you're you're right. not trying to find the right way; you're trying to avoid the wrong way.
0: Got it. And you're doing it okay. In
1: you're doing an increment. So you say, "Give me five thousand dollars. I'm going to." Okay, can I'll give you an example. One day I was working in Singapore, and and we're talking too much business here. I don't know if this is what you Watch on the podcast, but like I said, yes, it's right. In- It's a big part of who I am and of my life and my ideas. But I was working in Singapore in uh, the financial sector, and we had this idea for a product that would help poor people, unbanked people, to get credit. Because our core assumption was that unbanked people needed and wanted credit from a bank. But the bank couldn't give them credit because the bank didn't have information about them because they are unbanked. Mm -hmm. So I was in Singapore when I did this project, and then I said, okay, I need $5,000 myself and and a colleague. We're going to travel to Jakarta, and we're going to do field research. Nobody had done that before, because the way corporations develop, they say, okay, so tell me how much you need to develop this product that will enable poor people to get credit. And I said, what's the core assumption? Is that poor people want credit. Okay, let's go to Jakarta, which was the market that we were targeting. We went on the outskirts of Jakarta, I don't know if you've been to Jakarta, but it's a very yep. big, and it can been. be very, uh, uh, the, the, in a, the social inequality there is huge, so we went to the outskirts of the public market with an interpreter, because we couldn't assume anybody was gonna speak English, and mm. I don't speak <laughs> any Indonesian. Uh, then we went to the market, and we started talking to people. Tell me a little bit about, about your life, about your business, you're selling knock-off T-shirts here, or shoes, or you're selling uh, uh, fabric here, or dresses. Tell me about your life, tell me about your business. Where do you get money to buy fabric to make the t-shirt? Ah, okay, so when you buy the fabric, the supplier of the fabric gives you 90 days to pay for the fabric. Then you do the t-shirts, and how long does it take you to sell? Oh, you sell in a week, and you have to pay your your seamstress in another week, so, what we found out is that they didn't need credit because there was a whole internal credit system going on, starting from the suppliers. And then, when, I, when we asked them, okay, would you like to get credit from a bank? They're like, no, 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 it's too complicated.
0: It's, so, they'd already figured it out.
1: With $5,000 and two days of work of two people, we completely. Uh, 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 brought down the core assumption of a product that we wanted to create.
0: Mm-hmm. For $5,000, okay? so yeah. What for
1: $5,000. Yeah. Not millions. And then then you go back to the drawing board and you say, okay, I'm not going to go on this path. I think we have to go in this direction. Now give me $10,000. I'm going to do something else. Now give me fifty. dollars Now give me five hundred. You know, And then you incrementally uh, 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 decrease in uncertainty and increase your investment? And I don't remember what question you had anymore. I don't know if, don't know if I answered it.
0: <laughs> well, I think, I think the whole uh, conversation really started around the differences between startups and corporate world yeah. and what corporates yeah. are trying to get off startups. And you've you've definitely demystified it for me. And it, uh, yeah. that's that's been great because, uh, yeah, I'd always kind of wondered because there are so many corporates uh, creating either ventures internally or or yeah. Or even putting investment into startups to get the learnings, but you're you're yeah you've completely demystified how that can go wrong and, and how it needs to, to change as well. I'm keen to um, talk as well because you've um, talk about your travelling experiences because you so you you did eight or nine years in the corporate world in Brazil and then decided at some point enough was enough and you were going to go on a sabbatical around the world to 27 countries
1: yeah that's incredible i i'm gonna check my list here but i traveled already to i think it's 42 or 44 uh no 44 countries so the last country i've been to was saudi arabia so i've been to 44 countries already and uh a big incentive for me to travel to to travel anywhere is to go to a country I have never been because I'm actually, I'm really fascinated by, by the planet and by the people and by the cultures and the languages and the things that are different and the things that are similar. I'm really fascinated about learning more about this world where we live in. And -hmm. mind you that, before I, I did this, this trip, I had been to, like, two or five, five countries. I had been to five countries in my life. Like, one, one day I went to Europe, and, and that was it. And I really wanted to travel, and I really wanted to see the world. And there was one day that I was in Brazil, and I was trying to plan a vacation. And I couldn't choose the country. Because I really wanted to see different things. And I was trying to, to, to say, okay, where do I go next? And I had like Cuba and Netherlands and Australia and all that. And then I happened to read this magazine. And there, there was this, this lady traveling the world working at a cruise ship. Mm-hmm. And then I came to my boyfriend at the time. And I said, how about we take a round-world the trip? I think that's what I want to do. We take one year sabbatical and we go travel. And he's like, "Okay." I was like, "Oh my gosh, that's it. Happened. That's what that, that's happening." And that was like December two thousand uh, eleven. And then in February two thousand eleven, I bought the round the world ticket. There's there's something called the round the world ticket. Mm-hmm. So I bought it. Uh, and in July, we started traveling. And then we started in Portugal. Crossed all Europe from Portugal to uh, Russia, up Norway, down Turkey, then South Africa. We spent one month uh, traveling for seven thousand kilometers in a truck uh, and camping every day. So wow. it was really, really intense. Um, but I have a love for camping that comes from there. I went camping this weekend in some mountains here in the UAE in a, in a uh, emirate called uh, Rosa Khema and then i went to australia so to your your home country uh you're from australia right no no you're not from australia okay. from the uk uh, i was in but australia you know my yeah you know my friend from australia yes
0: I'm, uh, i am st- i am making my way around the world as well
1: <laughs> okay yes yes yeah i forgot that so i went to australia where you lived uh lived there for 3 months then did uh southeast asia than uh, China in the last two months in the US, in the Silicon Valley. So it was an incredible experience. It was an experience, it was hard.
0: Mm. So
1: it is hard work as well, because you have to shift your mind from being a tourist to being a traveler, and that's different. Because when you're a tourist, remember that we, we talked in the beginning about like the, the having your, your, your eyes on the prize, When you're a tourist, the price is very close. It's like, I want to go to Bali and enjoy one week and then I'll come back. When you're a traveler, the price is on the whole journey itself. It's on the experience itself. It's on the good things and the bad things. On the the, the easy parts and the nice restaurants, but also on sometimes sleeping at a train station. Because you couldn't find a hotel, you know? In Ukraine, and nobody can help you <laughs> because nobody <laughs> speaks your language, and you don't speak Ukrainian. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so so, and all these hardships—they are part of the life. All the planning. So you know how stressful it can be to plan one-week vacation. So I had that for one year. Every other day, I had to plan the next step. Mm-hmm. So, right, so it and wasn't found out.
0: You, you sort of just went and you knew roughly where you wanted to go but you kind of
1: wrote, you kind of know roughly but things change i was going to go <laughs> to perth and i ended up in in sydney or in, in the gold coast uh i was going to go to japan i just i i i went to japan just for work after that i was going to travel south america i never did that you know so there's lots of things that change because the circumstances change so i don't believe i believe planning is essential plans are useless and then if it makes sense so the process of planning is important because it gives you information but the plan Pre- it gives information
0: pre-adventure
1: pre-work so so for example this podcast we planned we talked before you had some questions you're probably not asking 80% of the questions you planned for. But mm. as we prepared for this podcast, we got information that we needed to get the conversation flowing. Then life happens.
0: Then then, then you're in, right? And then, yeah. That, then you're in. This is traveling. This is traveling effectively. Yeah.
1: Exactly. So, so uh, uh, we were in, uh, where was it? In Italy. And then some friends said, Do you want to come stay with us in France during the Bastille party in in the beginning of uh, the 14th of July? I was like, of course, hop on a plane, go to France, you know, and forget Spain. So we didn't go to Spain, you know. So there's this uh, serendipity that that happens that you got to be open to it. You cannot be stuck to a plan. Okay. Um, And I don't know where we are. We were anymore. talking about the traveling and the, but, but it was, it was the most it. amazing experience. Yeah, so I was talking about the mindset of, of a traveler is that mm-hmm. it's like embrace, embracing the serendipity. So if you're in Bali for a week and somebody says, oh, can you next week go to the Komodo Island because there's going to be something happen?" And it's like, eh, no, I have a plane to catch to go back yeah. home. Yeah. You know, when you're a tourist, you're trying to see the site. Oh, I did this. I did that. I did the Louvre. I did the the. I did Versailles. You know, like you do the things when you are a traveler, you are living there. So sometimes, like I know, when we were in the Loire Valley with all the castles, there was one day that we sat down and was like, "We don't want to see castles anymore. Please don't (laughs) go. Let's not go to a castle." What we wanted to do was to buy some food, bring back to the cottage where we were staying, and cook and do laundry.
0: Right. Just because that was the life
1: that we were yeah. living. Yeah. It was exhausting to be traveling for months on end. And people think, oh my gosh, it's a one year holiday. No, it's a one year of life mm. on the road. But it continues to be life.
0: And do you, you found that you brought some of those lessons into your, into your daily life now, into your work. Like where, like, That sounds like a very courageous thing to do, to, to press pause on the corporate world, go traveling, take a sabbatical. So where where do you find courage, right now?
1: Okay, so that's a lot of a, a lot of questions. So I yeah. do bring uh, I do bring a lot of uh, this to my life. I think the best that I bring is a little bit of knowledge of different cultures. So when I meet somebody from Russia, I can say hi in Russian. If I meet somebody from Turkey, I can say thank you in Turkish because I learned and I can say something that connects me immediately with them, makes me less strange to them. So that's something that that I bring and about courage. So uh, here's something Tim, that I think it's really that really gave me freedom was to understand that risk is different than fear. Oh, okay, a lot of times people conflate that. They like, I'm afraid of that, therefore, this is a risk for me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, and those things are that are different. You can be afraid of things, although they're not too risky. But because of your fear, they seem too risky. Mm. So when you are on a roller coaster, you feel fear, but that's the risk is very little. It's more that it's designed to make you feel the emotion of fear. Although, 99.9% of the time, you're very safe.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay? So, when people tell me about, a lot of people, a lot of times they say, oh, I I, I took one, sabbat- one year sabbatical and I traveled the world. They're like, people, 98% of the time say, oh my gosh, I would love to do that. And I was like, Okay, what's stopping you? And then people start, oh, because I have a job. Like, I had a job. Oh, but I have a dog. I had a dog, but I have children. I know people doing it with uh, three children. I know people doing it with a dog, and I know people doing it with cars and bicycles, and I know people doing it. So what is actually stopping you? Mm -hmm. Oh, but I have to pay my bills. Again, What are the bills? Again, because they are related to the life that you have. So there is no easy way. There's no way that you can travel the world and have the same life that you have. You gotta, you gotta want the transformation of the life. There, hard work and and fun. Hard work comes first. You gotta, you gotta be willing to do the transformation. But uh, Tim, for people like us, okay, and and I don't know who's listening to your podcast, so I don't want to to um, make you lose. Listeners here, but for most of the people who are right now under a shelter with their phone, probably with their AirPods, listening to your podcast, they have clothes on their their body, they have clean water and they have food. The risks that they have are smaller than those Mm -hmm. of people with actual needs, okay? So I'm not talking here, about people with actual needs. I wanted to start this, this by acknowledging the immense privilege that I have for coming from a good family, not a rich family, but a good family mm-hmm. and having a good life. When I started having this idea of traveling around the world, I spoke to my dad, who is a great uh, 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 counselor of mine. And he's and, and I remember one of the things that I wanted at the time was to have a, a child. I wanted to get pregnant and I was like, okay, I need to do this before I have a child. Okay. Uh, that's, that's what, how I thought, I know people who done it with child and pregnant and all of that, but that's how I thought. And my dad said, okay, if this is what you want to do, you go do it. And if you need, I'm here to support you because I know you are a good daughter. You're a good professional. Uh, you are a good person. And if you want to go in this adventure, go now. Before you have a child, before life gets even more complicated, before you have an even bigger job that is harder to loo- to, to, to mm-hmm. let go. If you want to go, go. And if you need, I'll support you. If my, That was my plan Z, okay? I had some savings, then I saved more. I took my savings, I, sell, I sold everything I had. But at the end of the day, when... We put together the round the world trip with the the, the startup uh, life in the US money and and I needed to res- to resort to my dad and my mom mm. okay and I'm talking about my dad because my mom she was afraid for me she was like but but uh, Paula you're going to they call me Paula they, call me and me. <laughs> they are gonna uh, ah. you're gonna you're gonna destroy your career she was really afraid and I had such a certainty that Whatever I was going to learn through that time was just add to my life. It was going to add to me as a human, as a profession, a professional, as a, as a wife, as a mother. You know I knew I was going to get so much, you know that, that helped me put the, the fear in perspective and really understand, like, OK, if I do this right and everything goes south, am I going to starve? No. Am I going to not have a shelter over my head? No. Do I want at 30-something to ask money for daddy? No, Mm. but I could. Do I want at 30-something to go back to live in daddy's and mommy's and daddy's house? No, but I could. So what is the risk here? What am I risking? You know? So when I put all of that in perspective, I could see that the fear was bigger than the risk. And that is the case to most people like us who have a life that is quite comfortable and they are actually afraid of the discomfort. They're afraid, not that they're gonna destroy their careers because I have not met one single world traveler who's destroyed their career, quite the opposite.
0: It hasn't been a detriment, it's added much more, much more flavor.
1: So exactly. what would
0: you advise someone who is currently, you know, what would you, what would your advice be to someone that's currently thinking through having that fear, has the fear, but wants yeah. to come up with a strategy just like you've outlined?
1: Yeah, I, I would, I would say, uh, do your, do your research because, uh, information leads to action. Information heals fear. Okay? Fear uh, thrives on assumptions, and mm-hmm. information destroys assumptions. So when I wanted to travel, I went out and I found groups of travelers who were having a monthly meeting with other people who had traveled the world because they wanted to travel. Mm-hmm. And then I became, I found, I found books, I found communities. We, didn't have lots of social network that was back in 2012. So we had some, but not to the extent we have now. So we would go to live uh, uh, meetups, okay? And just just get information. Just like, okay, how did you guys do it? Did you buy, what kind of ticket? Oh, the round-the-world ticket. Mm-hmm. Okay, how much, how do you do it? Like, do you take like a, 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 a wheelie... Uh, a, <laughs> Uh, uh, luggage with you no, you do a backpack what do you put in a backpack and you know what Tim Uh, specifically for the round the world tour and I can tell uh, your listeners we spent less than $25,000 for that one year of traveling per person
0: wow, yeah
1: $25,000 all over okay $5,000 five thousand dollars on the the round the world ticket then uh, hundred and twenty dollars per day in budget for for two people that was for two people okay so it's fifty thousand dollars in total
0: right okay. yeah. Yeah. fifty 50 grand but you've got a year's worth of experience and lifestyle and living on the road
1: yes yeah.
0: incredible yeah. But incredible yeah
1: so 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 people think like oh you got to be a millionaire no you got to let go of your uh, luxuries. You have to let go of, I had to let go of makeup and heels and nice yeah. dresses. You know, I had to let go of fashion. So one of my friends, who went to travel with us when we were in Russia. And mind you, that was like month four. And we spent like four months in summer in Europe. When we got to Russia, it was cold. So I couldn't buy a lot of things because everything I bought, I need to carry. So I started layering things up and I was the most colorful person on the street. Because <laughs> I had to layer like a pink shirt with a purple jacket and a green scarf, you know, because those are the things that I had on, 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 <laughs> if I look back, I would only have black and gray things, but that was not the reality for me at the time because I didn't think about fashion. So so, and my friend makes fun of me to this day, like, MP, you are the most colorful person in <laughs> Moscow. <you know? laughs> and like, yeah, you do what I got to do. You know? The same startup
0: mentality. It's that hustling, yeah. uh, scrappiness that, yeah, it gets you through.
1: And, and courage, uh, team. So I think courage mm. comes from information because that will... Destroy fear
0: seeking of information through action. So you've got to take the action to get the information exactly. And once you take the action, the information relieves the fear because it informs, and then the the fear sort of dissipates.
1: Yeah, it breaks the assumptions. So, first assumption, oh, it's very expensive. Okay, second assumption, I'm gonna destroy my career. Third assumption, I would never be able to replenish my savings again uh, fourth so assumption it's going to be dangerous
0: these assumptions are in our heads and not all the time yeah. we consciously recognize that they're there but through seeking information it can it can quieten the voices and start to you start to see the path
1: yeah. and you say, you say we recognize they're there a lot of times we don't mm. because those are all unconscious they're, those are all excuses we hear and we assume as uh, uh, uh through but we don't consider them as assumptions that can be proven or 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 disproven so all of these assumptions like oh it's dangerous or i'm a woman I'm gonna get raped you mm. know like there's all those things that once you start so so I think the first step is mindfulness around okay I want to do that what is what are the assumptions that are preventing me from doing it? So mm-hmm. let me find information. Second is, what is the shit sandwich? Going back all the way to the beginning <laughs> of the conversation, what is the shit sandwich I'm willing to do? Okay, so I'll, I'll give you another example. I went camping this weekend. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, it's the third time I go camping here. So once I went camping on the dunes, the other way in a, uh, uh, what used to be a, a river bed. And now on the mountains. None of those places have any infrastructure. They don't have bathroom or anything like that, okay? When you have to do your business in the dunes, it's not fun, okay? Not fun at all. But it's part of the adventure. Mm-hmm. And it's a part of the adventure that I am willing to take because this is I don't expect to be glamping. I don't expect to arrive there and everything is set up for me. And there's a bathroom. And there's a shower. No, I expect that I have to do my business behind the rock or in the dunes. That I have to set up my tent. That I have to fight with my son because he doesn't. He wants to play in the tent when it's not time to play in the tent. (laughs) Like happened this weekend. So I expect that. So I know the shit I'm willing to deal with. I was talking to my friend and. He's an older guy, and he's like, I'm not doing my business in the dunes in this lifetime, ever. Like, I'm not doing that. I'm like, okay, that's fine. But don't uh, envy or don't expect that you can get the desert experience or the camping experience without that part, okay? Because you lose something. There's something, like, more authentic about this experience that comes with the hardship. You know, so like so so let's let's go back to, to the courage framework that I'm inventing right now with you. Okay. Take us so, back
0: with
1: yeah. Understand your fears. How how far along are we? Understand your fears, jot them down on paper. Understand that they come from assumptions. So what are the assumptions? Find information that can prove or disprove those assumptions. Okay? Then Understand what is going to be hard about it, and if you're willing to deal with the hardship. One surprising hardship of traveling for an year is that you don't get to come home for one mm-hmm. year.
0: Yeah, you yeah. don't
1: get to sleep in your bed. So you know when you're traveling, and even if you go to the most amazing hotel, you have that nice feeling of, okay, I'm back. Ten days later, I'm back, and I'm going to sleep in my bed, and I have my clothes. In the
0: hotel, but yeah, yeah, it does have yeah.
1: Well, but but you always. Almost always when you take vacation nice. you have that good feeling of coming back. I didn't have that for one year. Yes. You know? And and you gotta learn, like you're not coming back. So the first month, when you that's when it hits you, it's like, ooh, we still have nine, wait, we still have eleven to go. And mm-hmm. we're not going back home. So it, it that's a transformation of the tourist mindset and the traveler mindset. You got to travel different because if you're trying to hit all the venues in every city, you're going to drop that in a week, <laughs> you know? So you got to pace yourself. So then the courage, the courage framework. Okay. Um, you got to know what you're willing to go through and be at peace with it and 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 understand that that is part of the, the, the experience. And I think the last part is, With the planning, with the information is, am I going to really be in a horrible place in my life if all goes south? So if you want to change job, okay, and you are talking to your spouse and you're like, oh, my gosh, this job is making me miserable. I really want to change. But if I do that, I'm afraid I will not be able to pay for the kids. School. Okay, let's get information, okay? Do we need to send the kids to the school? Can we rethink that? Can we save for two years before I can jump ship and, and go do this, this other venture, okay? I'm not telling people like, okay, just walk off your desk right now, kick <laughs> everything up and go follow your passion. No, I'm, I'm telling you, be a strategist about it, okay? It took me years thinking about uh, traveling uh, and having an international career. And then six months of planning. It took me six months from from December to July to plan and to save and to prepare for this trip. And to get all the information and to deal with the fear. Okay? Nice. Fear is, 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 a, is, a, is, a, is a protective emotion. But a lot of times it protects you from ghosts, from monsters.
0: Mm. And
1: monsters don't exist.
0: Keeping you, keeping you in position where you don't need to be held in position, right?
1: Exactly. But you got to understand, you got to get out of autopilot and look at your goal. Either it be starting a family, getting a divorce, uh, traveling the world, starting a new job, leaving your job, traveling somewhere, marrying some somebody, meeting somebody. All of that. There's all this components of Fear of monsters,
0: mm. you know?
1: So when you take a step back and you're very conscious about, about your fears, they start, it's, it's like ghosts. If you look, okay, so in the camping this week, uh, my friends put some chairs up and I went to use the bathroom behind the car uh, at 2 a.m. And then I looked around and there was this like huge thing and my dog was with me and then she started barking at 2 a.m. in the camping. And I wanted to to kill her, but I was like, "What is that?" You know, if I didn't go chat, I would go back to the tent terrified. So I walked in the corner, and then when I got closer, it was just a bunch of chairs.
0: Yeah. Wow.
1: You know, and so so I think that's that's where courage comes from. Courage doesn't come from being reckless. Courage doesn't come from from being being careless and not giving a shit. It comes for giving lots of shit, but trying to find the, one, the ones that matter.
0: Mm, I like that, being a being a strategist and actually being comfortable with the transformation. And then yeah, you said planning. Your planning took six months to destroy yeah. the fears and to actually work through, okay, what would happen if this happens? And what happens if this happens? And how can we, like you said, with the school example, how, do we have to go to that school? Are we wedded to that idea? Why are we wedded to that idea? Can we change it? And the, by doing that and by having that, courageous mindset and taking the action and getting the information you can work your, yourself through and i love this piece about getting rid of the assumptions that we do or do not like the stuff we don't even know we have going on that's holding yeah. us our goals dreams and vision that is huge yeah. Yeah. What, do
1: you think,
0: what do you think your mission is in life then what what would you say your mission is
1: oh gosh uh that's a loaded question <laughs> because uh so so I think on a personal uh, uh, note is being a good human being, being a good person, uh, being a, a person that, that has a positive, I think impact is, is an important word for me. Uh, I don't want to go through life being lukewarm, you know, being like, hey, was she here? I don't remember. You know, (laughs) so like I want to, but it's not, it's not about like the limelight. It's about really, really uh, touching people and helping people. And so for example, right now I'm fostering a dog. My life is super complex, you know, like I'm a single parent. I live, uh, uh, so my my son's father lives in Brazil. So there's no uh, logistic support there and I have a big job and I have my son and I have my dog. But there was this family, the parent the the, the, the two guy the, the couple they lost their jobs and they were staying on the street because they wouldn't let their dog they wouldn't let go of their dog.
0: What? You know, yeah.
1: because because they couldn't find because hotels in, in Dubai are not dog friendly. I see. Okay. And then I said, I'll I'll take the dog. Like I'm fostering the dog. And that for me like they are super grateful to to me, but I'm super grateful to life for the opportunity
0: That's so of, cool.
1: of helping you know so whenever I can help somebody, I with those little things, you know mm. I feel I feel so grateful for for the opportunity of exercising my humanity okay uh, so 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 that is one uh, professionally speaking. My mission is is to create impact for the companies that I work for, to ensure that they are they have what I call the innovation muscles. So they they are strong enough to withstand and to thrive uh, 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 through change. Uh, and and a very important mission for me is is as a mom to Noah, which is mm. to raise him to be a decent human. You know, I don't mm. have huge aspirations for him like. I have zero control of what he will want to be in his life. I have no I, I, I have no intentions of having control of like what kind of career he's going to have, what kind of vacation he's going to pursue and work and what he's going to do with his life. but I want him to be a human being to be a decent person to to be a force for good you know uh, and, and to have his own little impact in life the way that he wants to be. So I think those are the like the the, the three parts that kind of form. That's my awesome.
0: Mission. That's so awesome. That's yeah, your son. So how how has it been having like being a solo parent and and kind of an ambitious career, go getter as well as fostering a dog now as well as uh, <laughs> and having yeah. a solo parent. Like, um, how have you how have you managed that? Um.
1: So, so I'm fostering one dog, but I already have another one that traveled the world right. with me. Well, she didn't go in the round-the-world tour, right. but she moved to US, Singapore, and here. Very well so, traveled. Very well traveled dog. Uh, uh, so being a single parent is always hard because I think uh God and nature and life made two grown-ups to take care of one child because it's so hard. <laughs> It's so hard. You need two grown-ups. You know, you know, you need uh, uh, two two adults, you need to take turns, you need to support each other. But unfortunately that's not what happened uh in, in my marriage. We ended up uh again in divorce, which was a super difficult uh, thing to happen. Um but I really like the life that we have in Dubai. I like the opportunities that this is bringing to noah i like the the education that he has i like that he's grown up so noah himself has been to 10 countries already he's he's not gonna remember all of those because he's been to countries when he was a baby but that is somehow ingrained in his Mm. his mind i Mm. don't have to teach my son what diversity is Mm. because he studies in a Mm. diverse class he lives in a diverse world there's no There's no one single color or one single language or one single culture in his life. You know, Uh, I don't have to teach him about tolerance, about religious uh, uh, understanding and quickness and nothing. This is his life. And Mm -hmm. those are values that are so important uh, 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 to me and to to his father as well, that life here makes sense, although it's hard. Uh, his father is a super present father. Uh, virtually now, with Corona, it has been such a pity that we didn't get to travel back to Brazil one single time this year. But but that's uh, because of the circumstances. Uh, but it's it's hard. It's it's. I think that's the word I said the most in this podcast. <laughs> <Because> <laughs> and, and, not, and not in a complaining side. Like mm. if I wanted it easy, I would move back to. To Brazil, but I'll tell you what: after a month of having it easy, the hardships of life there would show up as well, and will yeah. it would be hard again. It would be hard to live close to my parents because we're bickering all the time, or yeah. because the country doesn't have the education that I have here. You know, like so. So it's not supposed to be easy. That's what I'm trying to say here. I think if there's anything to forgetting from this, this from from my message is like. It's not supposed to be easy, so you gotta deal with it, you know. Uh, so so being a single parent is it's it's not easy and I don't expect it to be, but it's it's a it's a joy being a parent most of the time, is a pain in the ass, sometimes, you know. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and that's the reality. That's the reality of, of everything. And it everything comes in combos, you know, you don't get to choose all the flavors. Uh, there's something that I said I said before, Tim. I, I, I uh, and I would like to to repeat here is we are not. Think of life as a movie. We're not the directors. We sometimes have the illusion to be, but we're not. Okay. We life, God, universe, providence, whatever. Okay. I'm not here trying to be to be religious or anything, but just to understand that things go in the way that they need to go which mm-hmm. is not the way that we want them to go most of the time. But what we are and what we can choose to be is to be the protagonists of our life, to be the lead, actors. And you're given a role and it's your choice how you're going to play that role. If you're going to play it half-assed, it's your choice. Mm-hmm. If you're going to play it as your life depends on it, it's your choice as well. You know? So this is the choice that, that you have is how, how you deal with it. And Although my life is quite complex and I have a career and I have a big job that I love, those are my choices. And I know that. So another thing is like, there's no choice without gain. There's no choice without uh, uh, losses. You got to understand, like for me to, to, to work as much as I work, I have to have my child in school. Other families are homeschooling their children or other mothers are uh, staying at home moms. I can't be a staying at home mom. Mm. That's not the choice for me. That's not the role that I want to play in life. And that's my choice. And I know I'm not present in every single moment of my son's life, but I know I'm very present in making the moments where I'm present to be the ones that matter. The other day, both of us put his underwear on our heads, Okay. And we were playing with the legs of the one that up. We were playing like we had horns. And we were running around the house pretending to be bulls and like trying to think of horns in each other. You know, like, and it was such a joyful moment. And it was such a silly moment to have underwear in our head and to run and to just live that magical moment where with our imagination, we were uh, 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 the bulls and, and we were fighting each other, you know, and, and I have the silly moments with him, but I do have the moments when I say, Noah, you're going to stay out. I'm going to lock the door. I'm going to record a podcast with Mm. him, Mm. you know, or I'm going to do, uh, uh, my work. And I, and I also want him to see that. I want to get, I want him to get my work ethic. I Mm. want him to understand Mm -hmm. the, the value of work and the value of creating something and having a purpose and, and just just uh, be a functioning member of society that is contributing to, 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 to a better life, to us and to other people and, and, and to the world.
0: That's fabulous. I mean, what's shining through to me, MP, is just how possible you make things, how you look at a situation, a challenge, some hardship, adversity, but you see possibility within that and you find ways to to move around it to go under it to go around it to go what can we do to move through this so i'm just getting this massive sense of possibility from you and it's absolutely phenomenal like it's just it's just a wash with uh, with all of that buzzing around and i'm sure the listeners are going to to also feel that as well um i think um as you're a very very busy woman as well we need to wrap <laughs> this up very soon what with the last question then, what what do you feel is the single biggest driver of success?
1: Hmm. I think it's showing up. Showing up. You know, showing up. It's because you're gonna see people who have everything to succeed and they don't. And you're gonna see people who have nothing to succeed and they do. And the difference is in, in this attitude is in seeing The art of the possible and and even when it's it's impossible you go there and you show up and you do your part and you deal with the hard parts and you deal with the shit and you you're just you're just there like you're showing up and and life is punching you in the face and you're showing up and life is showing you in the corner you're not showing up because if you stop show up then you're lost okay then you don't succeed Mm. so so I think it's, it's just this, this choice of, of being out there, of waking up, dusting off, the, uh, uh, dusting off the dust of your body, not shaking, shaking it off, and, and just say, hey, okay, show, show more. Like, what can I do? I'm not going to lay on the corn. Of course, you can dodge bullets all the time. You don't, I'm not telling people to, to just go for the hard part. It's like, mm-hmm. but it goes through the hard part, and it, it, it's not like to be to be silly and to be to be stupid and like oh, and he told me to to jump from a cliff. No, I didn't, you know. Uh, but but if you're looking at a cliff, learn to climb, you know, because then, then you can walk you can walk and down. So so you look at the possibilities, and and, and you are open to, to whatever comes, but you're showing off. I love it. Sure enough, showing sorry, up, sorry, showing up, not showing
0: up. Showing up, showing up. Yeah, no, I love yeah. it. That's, that's it. Oh, MP, thank you. Thank you so much. It has been a blessing and an honor to have you thank on you. the show. Um, honestly, you've given the listeners so, so much, all about being relentless. You've demystified what it means to bring a startup in in-house into a corporate. You've talked about risk and fear and how they're not the same. You've given us endless, I mean, I want to take a a sabbatical right now and go off and, you know, I pretty much (laughs) make a few calls after this and and go around the world for it for a year. But I think it's just, yeah, it's just been amazing to have you shining your light on the podcast. And I know this is going to touch so many lives. So thank you uh, from the bottom of my heart. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for the invitation, team. It was a pleasure. It was very... Uh, uh, instigating and very interesting to, to dialogue with you. And if you want to do anything, if you want to do around the world, trip, trip, just, just get information. Don't jump off the chair right now and go <laughs> do it because that is reckless and that is silly. And then you're going to find more hardship than you need. But if there's any change that you want to make in your life, just prepare for it. But mm-hmm. don't let fear stop you before you show up.